Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and we are in Ephesians chapter 3. We will be focusing on verses 17 through 19. So go ahead and open up your Bibles, open your Bible app, and get to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, 17 through 19. But we will read, I will read, starting from verse 14, and we're going to read till the end of the chapter. Thus says the Word of God, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So Paul is concluding his prayer. And last time we talked about verses 14 through 16 and 14 through 16 he begins uh for this reason at Balmanis before the father so he's explaining the reason why he is in prayer um and he he is in prayer and he prays and he concludes it in verse 21 with amen we see that this was a prayer and it's specifically a prayer for spiritual strength but the purpose for the spiritual strength we will touch on today. Um, and that is focused on verses 17 through 21. And last time we talked about how God is so sovereign that he knows every family. He named every single family. And also lets us know that according, it says, to the riches of his glory may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So God gives us, he grants us uh, the ability to have his spirit within us. And what does he do? Let's us know in 17 through 19. So let's read 17 and focus on that and see. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So, I love that. Whenever it says, so that Christ, so he's concluding where he can finally say, in order, 
right? So in order for what? For Christ, for the Messiah, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the Messiah is making his living. Christ is dwelling within us, and that is done by the Spirit of God, who is also referenced as the Spirit of Christ in Scripture. And it says that we are dwelled, the believer is dwelled with by Christ in our hearts. But that is what is going on. But what is the means of this? How do we have the ability to get Christ within us, in our hearts? How is this even possible? Well, in verse 16, lets us know that in our inner being, right? So let's reread verse 16 about the Holy Spirit. It says, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, right? In our hearts. And what's going on here is that Christ is making his dwelling in our hearts. So imagine buying a beat up old raggedy house and saying, I will make my living here. And as time goes on, the more and more you remodel the house to your liking, to where you can finally say, I've completed my work and now it's suitable for my living. Now it's suitable for me to be here. So that is what Christ is doing. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So through faith is the means of which makes all of this possible. And Paul states it plainly, through faith, right? He doesn't say through faith in works or a lot of faith in a little bit of works. I mean, at, at just extend your hand so that God can grab a hold onto it. No, uh, God does this and it says that the Spirit of God indwells us in our inner being. And what's happening is that Christ is making his dwelling within our hearts. And it says through faith. And then he goes on to say that you, right? So who is the object? The object of whom Christ makes his living or his dwelling is you. And who is the you? The Ephesians, right? Paul is writing to the Gentile believing Christians. And he's saying that you are the ones that Christ is making a dwelling place in your hearts. And what's going on? It says being rooted and grounded in love. So he's about to make another point. But he says, being rooted and grounded in love. So, imagine roots of a plant, right? So, roots stretch deep into the ground, making a, a, the plant or whatever is being uh, rooted uh, claim its place, making it immovable, right? It's, it's holding on to as much as ground... Uh, as much of ground it can. So trees, whenever they grow, they grow tall. It can withstand through thunderstorms and tornadoes. And there's trees that stay standing. They don't get knocked down. And the reason being is because of its roots. It is spread so far out and deep into the ground that there is no way of uprooting that tree. 
even with a tornado. So that is the idea that is being given here. Rooted, and then it says, and grounded. So grounded has a similar meaning, but it gives the idea that it has a firm foundation. So not only are you being stretched deep out as your roots are growing out and deep, but also the ground is firm. It's not sandy ground where even if you have long roots, you can be uprooted easily because the ground is loose. Here it says being rooted and grounded gives this idea that your roots are being extended far deep and out and then grounded, meaning that the what you are spreading your roots in is actually firm. So it's, a, it's grabbing a hold of the roots, therefore making it much, much harder for you to uh, fall or be uprooted, taken out, thrown away. And that's the idea here. But what is the ground that we are being rooted into and grounded into? It says in love. So the love of God. And it says that we cannot forget that it was God's love that predestined or chose all who will come to him. Right in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Let's uh, just reread that, just to refresh our memories. It says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So that is what we are to be reminded of. The love of God, right? So yes, God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and he is sovereign. God is holy, holy, holy. God is just. But God is also merciful and gracious, full of grace. God is also love, Scripture says. We cannot divorce love from every other attribute that is of God, right? Yes, we might go to one extreme and say God is love and that is all, but we have to be balanced in who God is, especially in who God is. We do not want to get God wrong or explain him wrongly, explaining that God is something that he is not. Instead, he reveals to us what he is through scripture and what he has done for us through scripture. And it says that we are being rooted and grounded, or we are to be rooted and grounded in love. So, yeah, we cannot forget that. We cannot forget God's choosing us, but that's on the basis of his love, because it says that it was in in love he predestined us to adoption. That is a praise God moment because we were sinners. We were God haters. And even within that, he still wanted us, chose us before the foundation of the world. The love of God is what we are to be rooted and grounded in because it is the reason for Paul's prayer. Right? So in in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, to echo what, uh, to echo Paul, what good is it to do good deeds, but do it without love, right? It's not good, and it's selfish. 
uh, since it steals God's glory, right? Because when I do good deeds, who am I doing these good deeds for? Is it for myself or is it for God? Well, it says without love, doing all these things without love, I'm like a clinging symbol. If I worship God with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, but my heart it is not in tune in spirit and in truth, then I'm doing it wrongly and I'm actually disobeying what God commands of us to do whenever we come to worship him. We are to do it in spirit and in truth. So no longer is it for God's glory when I do that. Now it's for my own. So I challenge you to examine yourselves every time you worship God, whether it's through scripture reading or prayer or singing songs about him. Um, I would challenge you to examine yourselves, ask God that he may give you a good, clean conscience whenever it comes to praising him and worshiping him in any way so that you may do it in spirit and in truth the way he commands us to do it, right? So the love of God is what we are to be rooted and grounded in. And that's the reason for his prayer. Uh, look at Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So Paul explains to us how we should do it, what we should do, and how the love of God is actually very, very important in our lives that we may understand. Or at least know that there is this kind of love out there that caused us to be quickened and made alive. It is the love of God that chose us, right? God chose us before the foundations of the world to be his sons and daughters. And that's a beautiful thing. But we must also never forget where we came from, where we were when God uh, made us alive. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were following the course of this world and um, following the prince of the power of the air, who is the devil. We actually were following the devil instead of God, but God made us alive and caused us to see. So that's a beautiful thing that happened at the cross that now we are able to be redeemed through his son. So, so it explains to us the purpose of God's love and how it's all over scripture. We see God's love and it was put on display on a cross. 
God loved us so much that he crushed his beloved son, his only begotten son, right? So, so that is the love of God shown to us. But not only are we to know this love, but we are to experience this love, right? We do not want to separate the experience of love as well as the reality of love, right? We know God loves us because we see it on a cross. We see it uh, throughout our lives. As people come to Christ, God's love is being put on display. We see creation and the food and water that he gives us to drink, eat and drink. Um, that is on the basis of God's love that he allows us to participate in this common grace. But not only that, we are to experience God's love, right? It moves us to sing praises to him. It moves us to uh, be joyful in everything that he has given us, which is on a basis of his love. Listen to this. It's in the Psalms. Psalm 143, verse 8. This is what it says. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. So what the psalmist, this is a psalm of David and what he is saying, he is praying for the, to the Lord and he's asking the Lord to let him hear in the morning of his steadfast love. When we wake up in the morning, we hear the birds singing. We see through scripture that the creation actually glorifies God, sings glory to God, and we see the bird we hear the birds when we wake up in the morning. And I can just imagine waking up in a field and hearing the birds chirp, hearing all the animals awake and making noise. Um they're singing. And they're the birds sing glory to God. And when we wake up in the morning, we now can recognize that God had mercy on our souls to allow us to participate another day. And here, he says, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go. Point to me in the direction I should uh, walk. And it says, For to you I lift up my soul. So basically, only you will I praise. Right? So this love of God is not to be exhausted. It cannot be exhausted. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor all things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see why we are to be rooted and grounded in love? Well, it's because of, it's this love that causes us to not be able to fall away from God's grace. Right? His saving grace. We cannot fall away from that. And actually, Paul tells us that we have this assurance because 
Who is making his dwelling place in our hearts? It is Christ. And that is done through faith by the Spirit. Let's continue on reading. Verse 18. It says, well, let me reread verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So again, that kind of echoes what we read in Colossians about that we are to admonish one another, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, and that we are to know. Here it says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So let's let's start at the beginning of verse 18. May have strength. So again, Paul is praying for strength. We need strength. But why do we need this strength? It says to comprehend so that we may understand or at least have a glimpse. It says comprehend with all the saints. So every single believer has this ability. Every single believer. It says with all the saints, what is the breadth? So we can understand now what is the breadth. Right? So how wide the love of Christ is. It says, and height, how high the love of Christ is, and depth, how deep the love of Christ is. So we got the breadth, how wide, the length, how long, the height, how tall, the depth, how deep of this love. And it says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so only by the spirit of god can we comprehend the love of christ and this love of christ surpasses human knowledge so this is way beyond our physical mind to comprehend instead we need god's strength to be able to comprehend this kind of love that comes from christ and it says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So basically what Paul is telling us is that this spirit, which is the spirit of God, God, God the spirit that is in our hearts, making a dwelling place, says that he will grant us the ability to know the love of Christ, but it surpasses knowledge. It surpasses our feeble minds we will not get to the even end of god's love we will spend an eternity understanding god's love but scripture tells us that we will see him as he is face to face with christ we will see him and that's a beautiful thing, but at the same time, I can just imagine how unfathomable that is. But listen, it says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Right in Colossians, it tells us that we may have the word of Christ dwell within us richly. So have the idea of, let's say, 
the cup represents you, water represents him, and it's overflowing. You're pouring water into that cup and it's a never-ending flow of water and it's pouring into this cup and the cup is now overflowing. So the idea is that we are to overflow the word of God, the word of Christ, because it's to dwell within us richly. And here it says that we may be filled with the fullness of God. So how are we filled with the fullness of God? Well, it's the knowledge of Him because once we start gaining more knowledge of Him and of who He is and what He has done and He is doing, and then in comparison to who we are and what we have done and what caused Him to do what He did on our behalf, we will begin to understand the fullness of God. We will be more like Christ the more we are digging ourselves into the Word of God. The more we read about uh, God's purpose for our lives, like what He has done and is doing within us. He's sanctifying us, and that's through the Spirit, as it tells us here in Scripture. Because Christ is making His dwelling place within our hearts. And it says that you may be filled with the fullness of God, the fullness of God fills us richly the more and more we are filled with the word of Christ. And Jesus prayed for us in John 17, and he says that we are to be sanctified. He prays to the Father saying, sanctify them by your word. Speaking to the Father, and he says, your word is truth. God's word is truth, and it's the truth of God that we should be overflowing because once we start understanding the truth of God, we can make sense of everything else in this world. Apart from God, we cannot make sense of anything in this world. Everything is meaningless. But that's a sad thought, knowing that God created everything in this universe. There is no way anything could happen apart from God. So to reject God is to be absurd. So I would say do not reject God. Maybe you haven't, but you might have been rejecting God's word or not getting into God's word as you should. I would say take some time and read God's word because it is truth. And it is the means of which we will be sanctified by because the Holy Spirit works through this truth, right? The reality of our sins, the more it's revealed, the more the Holy Spirit reaves that out, the more we start recognizing how filthy and vile we are and how much we need God's grace. And it moves us to praise and worship Him. We are to sing joy. Paul tells us to rejoice and Again, he repeats, rejoice. So we are to be continually rejoicing, continually in joy. Right at the right hand of God, there's fullness of joy. So we are to seek the Lord, pray to God and ask him for understanding of his word because any of us who asks God for wisdom, he will give it to us. And the purpose of that is that we may gain knowledge. And this kind of knowledge that 
we are called to uh, learn and know, and that's done through strength, the spiritual strength that comes from the Spirit, is that we are to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Because this love is far wide, is far long, it's far high and far deep that our feeble minds will not be able to comprehend, which is why we need the Spirit of God to help us. So, yeah, so that is my encouragement, that whenever you get into the Word, or if you haven't gotten into the Word, as you should, I would encourage you to do so, because then you will grow more into this knowledge. You will grow more into what God calls us to, because that is the means of which we will be sanctified by. It's His Word. So, I say go on and, and read. Don't just read like any other book you would read, but study God's Word. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. 